You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Circle Hughes towards the goal, shoots, he scores! Quinn Hughes with a wrister off the left wing. Yeah, I think we grinded pretty well. I mean, we hung in there. Juan Soto, he is someone that the Blue Jays are looking at. To the receiver's leg, hitting out of bounds, his butt cheek get inbound. <laughs> that hurt like a butt cheek on a stick. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes of Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are in hour one of the program, and that's just great. That is just awesome. Hour one of the program is brought to you by... Us. Now tell them about Kintech. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech footwear and orthotics. By the way, we're probably going to have a new sponsor. I think it's neat. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, that is Kintech footwear and orthotics, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. What's happening on the program, you may be asking. Guest list begins at 6.30. David Amber, Sportsnet Hockey Night Canada host, will be joining us. Uh, we can talk about the Canucks' big win in Calgary over the weekend. Uh, we'll whip around all the other, other big NHL stories with David Amber from Sportsnet at 6.30. 7.30, Mike Tanier, our NFL insider from The Messenger, a host of things to get into but the biggest NFL story of the weekend is that I am actually sitting next to a true betting aficionado yeah in Jason Brown I can just see what's happening right now in in the NFL I just I just I just understand it big picture vision he's got the vision he's got a gift really it's like uh you know how when the greats say they like the game slows down for them that's basically what's happened for me when I'm picking I picked you're just a betting savant yeah like like someone the rain man of betting someone texted in early and called um I guess he's a Packers fan okay and um, Liam in Calgary, he, he goes, my Packers with a massive upset to beat the Chiefs. So I'm like, that wasn't a massive upset. Like, I called that the Packers would at least cover the spread in that, and it wasn't a huge spread, and they outright won the game, right? Like, the, the Packers are now, by the way, Packers are now ahead of the Seahawks in the standings. I also said that the Rams... We're gonna we're gonna cover the spread and beat the Browns, and it was basically just like all the teams that were gonna move past the Seahawks in the standings because the Rams have moved past the Seahawks. I just I just see it now. Like I'm basically I'm gonna start up start out my own uh, betting hedge fund. So despite the fact that we already have an NFL expert in studio, we are gonna still talk to Mike Tanier, our Monday morning quarterback, at seven thirty. Uh, Eight o'clock, Randy Janda, Sportsnet six fifty Canucks Radio. Color commentator is going to join us again. We'll talk about the Nikita Zadorov acquisition, the big role that he played in the 4-3 win over Calgary on Saturday. Lots to get into there. Speaking of the Vancouver Canucks, we are giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Minnesota Wild on Thursday, December 7th at Rogers Arena. That's going to go to one of, here's the key, one of the best what we learned today. Hashtag it WWL. Put a ticket emoji into your text. You'll be entered into the grand prize contest for a Gets to see the Canucks 
and wild on Thursday, December 7th at Rogers Arena. That's not all we're giving away today, Jason. We're also giving away a pair of tickets to see Canada take on the Australians, the hated Australians, Tuesday, December 5th at BC Place. Scratch that. Christine Sinclair Place. Right. Right? Everyone understands what's going on here, right? Mm -hmm. It's her final match wearing the Maple Leaf for the Canadian Women's National Team. So if you want tickets to see Christine Sinclair's farewell game, put a soccer ball emoji into your text. I cannot wait to see how this turns out. I think it's going to go great. We will, the, the soccer ball ticks for the Canucks game. Ticket emoji for the Sinclair slow game. Slow it down here. Two different emojis. Mm-hmm. If you want to win all the tickets or one of the other, uh, ticket emoji and a soccer ball emoji. We will accept any type of ball, frankly. You know what? Yeah. Someone's just going to text us, ask us anything, ticket emoji. Yeah. There's a piece of pizza in there for some reason. Anyway. Even basketball feels basketball. You'll, you'll accept that? Yeah, keep, yeah. Sure. Why not? Keep it simple. <laughs> Okay, we are giving away a lot of stuff today. Dunbar Lumber Tax on is 650-650. Get your What We Learns in. Guest list, working in reverse. 8 o'clock, Randeep Janda. 7.30, Mike Tanier. 6.30, David Amber. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. On Saturday, at the Saddle Dome in Calgary, Nikita Zadorov looked like he had the game-winning goal. Turns out it was the assist to the game-winning goal. He gets that in his debut. The Vancouver Canucks hang on for a 4-3 victory against the Calgary Flames, as mentioned, at the Saddle Dome on Saturday. Another beauty goal for Quinn Hughes. Man, that shot is something else. Uh, It was an encouraging win for the Vancouver Canucks. I thought they battled hard and were the better team on the night. It was close, but I thought they were the better team. Uh, Petey seemed to have a bit more jump. I really liked the changes that Tockett made to the top two lines. Maybe not for forever, but I think something had to change with those lines. Uh, He ended up putting Kuzmenko with Miller and Besser and promoting Lafferty up with PD and Mikheyev. Mikheyev had maybe his best game of the season, maybe his best, best game as a Canuck. Canuck. Yeah, he was he was really good. And look, he is not a sniper. He's not the greatest finisher in the world, but he finds a way. Um, he had a goal, uh, had a couple of points, I think. Uh, and most importantly, like, he gets the puck moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he drives that line because PD, when he's on, he's going to be the guy that drives that line. But uh, Mikheyev is a good player. Um, and, you know, it's nice to see that he's been able to bounce back from a pretty serious injury and a pretty big surgery. Um, granted, you know, far from a perfect performance for the Vancouver Canucks, which has kind of been par for the course for the last few weeks. Um, the PK, the penalty kill, it might be improved from last season. And, and I think it's running at around 80%, which is not horrible, but it's still in the bottom half of the league. Uh, and it's still not very good, right? Like the, the penalty kill, you wouldn't watch that penalty kill or you wouldn't look at the numbers for the penalty kill and say, uh, this is a good PK. It's not, it's not yet. Uh, Zadorov and Myers were paired up for Backlund's power play goal and everyone's talking about how, you know, they got combined stick length of 800 feet or whatever it is. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, Michael Backlund still found the back door 
Um, and Tyler Myers and most of his teammates got caught puck watching on that one. It was a nice play by the Flames, a good pass by Ruzichka. Uh, but when you look at the underlying numbers of the Canucks PK, it still gives up too many chances. So, th- you know, things to work on still. And I guess the good news is that the Canucks are at home now for a good stretch. They practiced yesterday. They had the day off. They will have the day off today. So they will be able to get some practice time. And I think the PK needs practice. Um, Again, today is a day off for the team. They practiced yesterday at Rogers Arena. Five straight games at home now, starting Tuesday gotta against. Got to eat. Starting Tuesday against the New Jersey Devils, uh, the Canucks are eight two and one at Rogers Arena. Their only regulation losses were to Seattle, and remember their last home game against the Vegas Golden Knights that uh, didn't go so well. They also lost to the Rangers in overtime because the ref blew a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, no back to backs on this home stand. I think that's interesting. So we'll see. How much action does Smith gets, if any? I expect he'll get at least one of these games. They don't want to overplay Thatcher Demko. But it is worth noting that they don't have any back-to-backs on this homestand. Yeah, so a few takeaways from there. One, Canucks power play currently clicking at 75%, which puts them 23rd in the NHL. Interestingly enough, the next couple of opponents coming in, the New Jersey Devils and the Minnesota Wild, just a handful of teams that actually have a worse penalty kill than the Canucks this year. And that includes the Minnesota Wild, who have the worst penalty kill in the National Hockey League. So yeah, it's improved. The unit's improved. It's still not what you'd consider good by any metric, Mm -hmm. especially the average in the league right now. But um, it'll be interesting to see how they match up in these next two games, not just in terms of special teams either, but against the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday, I think... They There's, have an unbelievable power play, don't they? Yeah, but they're also they've dealt with really significant injuries well, this year. Right? Dealing with with another one too to Dougie Hamilton, right? He's out and, indefinitely now, and it's really sort of sidetracked their season because I think everyone thought that this team was, and you included, was going to take that next step forward in their progression. They were my cup pick. I thought they were going to get it done, right? And, and they're right, not even a playoff spot right now. And a lot of that has to do with the injuries, right? Hughes has missed extended time. Hughes makes extended time. And well, a lot of it's the goaltending. The goaltending has not been good at all. Uh, uh, Akira Schmid was looking like he might have been pulling it together, and then they go out and play the San Jose Sharks, and he lets in like five goals on 16 shots. So mm-hmm. uh, goaltending has been an issue for New Jersey. And then another takeaway from what you were talking about there over the weekend, the 4-3 win in Calgary. Again, and I've hammered this home countless times, but I'll continue to do it as long as the team continues to hold up its end of the bargain. You don't let losing streaks either get started or when they do get started, you try and nip them in the bud early. Playoff teams do not have extended losing streaks throughout the season. A handful do, sure, but they're the anomaly. Good teams understand that there's a sense of magnitude and importance in rebounding from losses, and especially two in a row, three in a row. And when you think about it, that's what the playoffs are all about. I mean, what do we hear countless times when a team goes to the playoffs? Well, that game's over with. We got a fresh start tomorrow because we have to look at it as every single one of these seven games in a series is vitally important. You can't carry over from Thursday night. Canucks get outplayed by Vegas. I mean, let's be dead honest. They were the second best team in what? Every category, I would say, Mm -hmm. on Thursday against Vegas. They just they look like the inferior team. 
And well, I, they still are the inferior team, right? But the thing they is, is I mean, yeah. But the thing is, is you need to look at that performance and say, how are we going to respond against a totally different opponent? But the opportunities there to, mm-hmm. again, all the cliches, flush what happened the night before, forget about it. As Ted Lasso says, have a mind like a goldfish, and just go on to the next game. Right? They go out and they did enough good things in Calgary to beat a team that is also fighting tooth and nail for its own scenario, which is trying to get back into playoff contention, never mind where the Canucks are keeping in playoff contention. So uh, a few questions to ponder. Um, Philip Hronick, we didn't mention uh, that he had three assists in that game against the Calgary Flames. How much is this guy going to cost the Canucks to re-sign? Remember when the Canucks acquired uh, Philip Hronick? And people wondered, like, number one, why is Steve Eiserman making this trade? Is there something about Philip Peronik we don't know? But the one thing we did know is this guy is going to be due a significant raise when he becomes a restricted free agent at the end of this season. Um, we didn't know that he'd put up so many points <laughs> this season. Again, three more assists on Saturday. Only two defensemen in the entire NHL have more points than Philip Hronick. Mm-hmm. They are Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr. He has as many points as a guy like Victor Hedman, one of the greatest defensemen of all time currently playing his trade for the Tampa Bay Light- Lightning. That's where Philip Hronick is right now. And I realize that it's not just a formula. It's not just, uh, well, this guy got this many points, so he gets this amount of money. It is a negotiation. Mm-hmm. But I think this negotiation is going to be real tough, especially if Rona goes into this one and going, going I'm going to try and get as much as I possibly can in this uh, contract because mm-hmm. he is producing like one of the best defensemen in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. And you could argue that he could go into negotiations and not be totally out of line based on his production this season that he deserves more than Quinn Hughes. Yep. And that would be awkward. Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen countless uh, instances like that in the past where the either best player or best guy in this respective position doesn't end up being the highest paid guy because he saw in a contract that was signed a couple years prior and then market values and the cap raises, right? I mean, I guess... Yeah, Nathan I, McKinnon being the most famous probably uh, of inf- late. Infamous, if you will. I mean, yeah. I lo- look, there are teams that have this great problem on their hands because at the end of the day, it is a great problem to have. We have two unreal defensemen that we're going to have to pay accordingly. For example, the New York Rangers right now have two of the top 15 paid defensemen in the NHL. They have Truba, who makes eight, and they have Fox, who makes 9.5. So it's not like it can't be done on the blue line. You just have to understand that it's going to cost a lot of money for Hronik, which is fine. You you know what? There's the, the champagne problems to have when you have good players. like in a, in a vacuum, let's just be real here. It's great that he has come aboard and played better than expected, and you have to pay good players because they're good hockey players. Within the framework of the Canucks, God, it's I, still a want, I still want to see him without Hughes, though. We've only seen it a little bit. I want to see him with without Hughes, and uh, I, I wonder if we will eventually because I still feel like there's... I still feel like there's moves to be made for the for this Canucks team on the blue line. You know, Patrick Galvin, it's funny. He doesn't say much in his press conferences. And um, 
I rem- like a week ago after Bolvillier was traded, or how many ever days ago it was, um, he did admit, like, we might need some help on the back end. But I think he only said that when he knew that he was getting Zadorov. Right, like that whole thing. He knew when he, when he was able to move out Bovillier, he was pretty sure. I I bet that the, the Zadorov deal was going to get done. So yeah. he was able to admit that. Now he had another press conference yesterday, and it was another Patrick Alvin special. You watched it. You're like, I have learned nothing. Right, right. And I mean, and I, but I just do wonder how much more is going to be done on this back end because the Ethan Bear, he's out there, right? And Patrick Alvina said, I keep in touch with Ethan Bear. Ethan Bear is training, he's skating, and he's wearing Canucks colors. And everyone's assuming that Ethan Bear is going to sign with the Canucks. Or if there's a betting favorite, it's the Canucks, right? But if you're Ethan Bear mm-hmm. and you're looking at teams to re-sign with, if you're looking at the Canucks when they get Carson Soucy back, which is probably going to be around the same time that Ethan Bear is going to be able to return or be, at least be in the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't Ethan Bear the seventh defenseman if he resigns? Probably. Right? Yeah, especially like, given like, what he's going to have to yeah. do to just get caught up to speed. He'd probably be seven. Which brings me to Tyler Myers. I put out a poll question yesterday, and... I knew the results were going to be close, and they were close because I don't think people know what's going to happen here. The question was, will Tyler Myers finish the season on the Canucks? It's got over 2,000 votes, 52% say yes, 48% say no. It was tied 50-50 for a while. Yep. And I think what Tyler rep- Tyler Myers represents is, to most Canucks fans, cap space, right? They're like, Wow. You know, look at what they were able to do by trading Bovillier. They were able to get Nikita Zdorov in the door. If they're able to clear six million dollars in cap space by signing by trading Tyler Myers, mm-hmm. while of course they'd be able to re-sign Ethan Bear. I think they can do that without trading Tyler Myers. But then maybe they can get a top six winger, or maybe they get a defenseman that better fits with the Canucks. Sure. And Tyler Myers. Listen, he has had a very up-and-down season. And there have been times when he's been expected to play too much. And it's shown. You know, I don't. He's not a top-four defenseman in the NHL. The problem is there's not an obvious top-four guy on the Canucks to replace him. So I really wonder if Patrick Alvin has a few more moves left in him. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Tyler Myers. It probably depends... If there's an op, he's got a he's got a limited no trade list, so that could complicate things. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think Patrick Alvine is thinking? He's done a good job of moving pieces on the chessboard so far. Like nice execution with Bovillier out, Zadorov in, and I wonder if he looks at this situation and says it's the most obvious and logical move to make is to try and get off this money, try and find someone that fits the group a little bit better. It's going to be difficult because, again, he seems to be the only general manager making moves in the NHL right now. There's been eight trades in the league consummated since training camp opened. The Canucks have made five of them. So I give him credit for being able to move pieces around in what's really been a jammed up and log jammed trade market. I mean, I don't know if you heard Freege on the weekend talking about what happened between Calgary and Toronto, but the general consensus was Toronto wanted Zadorov and Tanev mm-hmm. out of Calgary. The issue was 
They needed Calgary to retain on not one of them, but both of them, because they have no cap space whatsoever. And Calgary's like, like, I want Zadorov and I want Tanev. And then Craig Conroy said, you'll get nothing and yeah. like it. He's like, here's the thing, though. You That's need- a Caddyshack reference. <laughs> yeah. You need Cat- to keep Caddyshack half the money on, on both of them. So I go back to Alvin here. I think he's going to be super motivated to try and move Myers. And I would not be surprised if it gets done. But now it feels like everyone's in this waiting game. Of the longer we go along, the more cap space we can accrue. The less of a cap hit it gets as we get closer to February. Now, I want to also add another wrinkle to all this because some people may be wondering, why are you guys talking so much about trades and contracts? It's because it's still a very, very ongoing, fluid, and vitally important situation for the Vancouver Canucks because another thing Freed's dropped on Saturday was like, oh, yeah, by the way, the Pedersen extension. Mm-hmm. We should have an update on this one. Uh, this is from Elliot Friedman on Saturday night talking about how the Canucks and their general manager, Patrick Alvine, met with Elias Pedersen in his camp during the recent Western Road Swing over American Thanksgiving. Uh, here's Frege with more. You know, there was just a meeting on the recent road trip, Canucks, uh, Pedersen, and the GM, Patrick Alvine, two of them face-to-face, uh, just a simple conversation, just, you know, how are things going? Pedersen was on a blistering pace at the start of the year. Nobody's expected to keep that up all the way. I just think the two of them talked about what's been going on, and I think the Canucks reiterated that when he's ready, they would like to extend him. So I get, when you talk about how much is Philip Hronick's new deal going to cost, how much is Elias Pettersson's new deal going to cost, you start to look at the cap dynamics, and it's an ongoing tricky situation. So you have a team that has uh, been terrific to start the year, looks like it's going to be on the road to getting back into the playoffs, but the sustainability long term is why you keep talking about what is going to happen under the cap moving forward because every dollar is, is so important and the incremental you know lifting of the ceiling that's not a lot and you know I, I was reading something over the weekend from Patrick Johnson pointing out they may need to have a push to see some of these guys that are maybe not necessarily ready ready but close enough to being ready and this is where we talk about guys on ELCs coming in and providing something mm-hmm. because if you're going to talk about well how do you solve the problem how do you get a, a team that's cap compliant? Throughout history, if you look at it, a lot of the contending teams had guys coming in on their entry-level deals and not just holding their own or learning the NHL, but contributing. Right. Well, I wonder if they're going to fast-track a guy like Lekar Amaki. I wonder if they're going to fast-track a guy like Tom Willander. It sure seems like one of the most logical answers, mm-hmm. right? Because but also one of the most dangerous answers sure. and one of the things that they've said they're not going to do. They're yeah. not going to rush players into positions where they're not ready and they're not in a position to succeed, especially when it comes to their young, blue-chip prospects, of which they don't have many. No, they have two. Maybe three. And mm-hmm. pushing them into the lineup can be dangerous. It can be super risky, especially if you're a team that's not rebuilding, but you want to make the playoffs and you have postseason aspirations. But it's going to be really fascinating to see how these two play out because, God, it feels like <laughs> Alvina in this front office, there's no time for rest, right? Mm-hmm. There's the current situation, which is figure out this blue line, get it up to a place where we're going to be a competent team night after night so that we can compete for the playoffs. And then also dealing with the long term. What's going to happen with Hronik? What's going to happen with Pedersen? How are we going to get this thing cap compliant? Okay. Um, there was a, We got a lot of texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line, and someone texted, Myers and Garland are the extra money that the Canucks are going to need. Well, Myers is definitely coming off the books at the end of the season. Um <laughs> Garland is really starting to frustrate me watching him, his lack of finish. 
I I just it, I mean I was he is getting hard to watch out there because he does do some good things. He's kind of like um, you know what I said about Mikheyev. Like he's not a sniper, but he gets the puck going in the right direction. If that third line had any finish, if, the, if any finish, mm-hmm. Dakota Joshua, the amount of chances in tight that that guy gets, like if he had hands, and you know I know people were like, well, you know. If my aunt had a whatever, you know, like it's my one of those. My aunt had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Thanks for finishing that off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, it's funny. There was, there's three players on the Canucks right now that you look at and go, man, they get chances, but they just can't finish. McKayev is one of them. Uh, and that was a knock on him in Toronto, right? Like, good player, no moves in tight, right? Yeah. And he had, he had a breakaway against the Flames where you, his speed was on display. You're like, wow. Like that's that's unbelievable, and and then he goes in there and just like shoots a right at the goalie, right? Yeah. You're kind of like ah, Jeff, maybe just throw in a shoulder fake or something like that. It's funny because the numbers play out like he's actually. I get what you're saying. Only like, last, I, not right now though. But it's eight and twenty one games, so he's on pace. Yeah, for, that's okay. yeah, yeah, it's on. I pace. mean, his goal, his goal against the Flames. I mean, he did score. It was like this weird backhand yeah. lob wedge that he that he. But, you know, like, but it worked. Like, what was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 Garland and. And Joshua, man, like Garland especially, and I get frustrated by his this, his stick length. I really do. Like, look, he's getting no leverage on a shot. Right, right. It's it it's so short out there that you're like, how can you expect to get anything on the shot? Um, you know, if he were if he were to start producing on just on an, a league average number of his his chances. He'd have a bunch of goals, and he'd be a lot more movable for the Canucks. And might even do the point where, like, actually, we want to keep this guy. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. They'll lift it back to the point. Hirona tried a one-timer. I think his stick broke. Got it to the goal. There's a rebound. They score. Side to the net. Ilya McCabe and Pedersen were both there. A little, lost a little bit of composure, a little bit, but I thought for the most part, you know, he, the resiliency. You know, it was a nice bounce back game after the Vegas game, so got to give the guys a lot of credit. 8.02 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three. Count them one, two, three of the program. Randy Jand is going to join us in a moment here. The highlight of hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the interweb at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintec.net. To the phone lines we go. He is the color analyst right here on Sportsnet 650 for all your Canucks broadcasts. Randy Janda now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Randy. How are you? Gentlemen, good morning. It's uh, it's nice. It's a Monday. I feel pretty good for a Monday, which is rare. Well, you're, yeah, I know. It's Mondays are tough, but hey, we all had. I mean, what a great weekend for the Vancouver Canucks. They make a acquisition to the blue line that everyone was very excited about. He goes out on Saturday and puts forth a pretty good performance. Almost had a game winning goal. Later, a game winning assist on a game winning goal, but nevertheless, great uh, tip by Petey. Yeah, it was perfect. Just good hands. Is that the best way to work yourself into a team as a new guy? Is to just give a goal to another dude because that's the first thing. Like that, shooting it off his stick. Yeah, and then pointing to him right away. It's like, no, no, that's yours. That's yours. And then in the post game saying that's, that's Petey's goal. That's Petey's goal. I thought it was a good performance from Zadorov on the weekend. 
Oh, yeah. And, you know, that play right after where he's pointing at Petey, as you mentioned, that, that one scores points to say, all right, totally. new guy comes in and just, just points at the, the starter to say, no, you got that one. I, I played a, a mere minor role in that. But <laughs> overall, boys, um, you know, a decent debut for Zadorov. I think emotionally that's a really weird game. Not only do you get traded, um, Nikita Zadorov, despite the trade request and all that, pretty well liked in Calgary during his time. So I think he dealt with it well. And overall, his qualities as a player, like, what do we know? Physical, we know he's pretty good on the puck. Um, he's got, you know, he can handle the puck. And we saw a little bit of that as well. There weren't so many rush plays. They were just more patient than what we're used to seeing from some other players in that part of the lineup. Uh, Noah Juleson, Mark Friedman. And overall, just an active stick, something that, you know, they miss with uh, Carson Soucy not being in the lineup. So I think a, a real upgrade on the on the bottom end of this back end for the Vancouver Canucks. And sure, there was that one moment maybe on the 2-1 goal on the PK that he's a little too aggressive on the passer on the right half wall. And as a result, Tyler Myers goes a little bit more to the middle of the ice, leaves the back door open. But, you know, that's something that you can get better with that reps. Uh, Rick Tockett mentioned that that's not how they necessarily pay, play on the PK, but he'll get it over time. So I think it was a pretty decent start for a guy that will be probably one of the favorites in Vancouver. Guy's got a great sense of humor. Just being at practice, he was cracking jokes. It was like a stand-up routine uh, during his availability yesterday. Uh, I think he's going to be a very fun interview and uh, certainly not afraid to speak his mind based on some of the things he was saying in Calgary. Um, what did yep. you think of the coaching staff's decision to uh, shake up the top two lines, putting Kuzmenko with Miller and Besser? And of course, we saw that in the third period against Vegas, but also promoting Lafferty up to the top line with Petey and Mikheyev. Starting on Kuzmenko there, uh, you know, at first, I was really wondering how that was going to work. And I'm not saying this is a long-term solution, but it does force Kuzmenko to play more north-south. Um, this is a, the identity of that line. And even previously, when Phil DiGiuseppe was on that line, uh, JT Miller, you know, right at the beginning of the year, said, hey, we play a certain way. We all understand we have to play, you know, get pucks in deep and, and play that north-south game. We're going to have to battle. And that's not Kuzmenko's personality necessarily but he's got to build that into his game and when Miller and Besser are playing that way when they're you know hard on pucks when they're winning board battles you kind of have to lean in there in your own way so I think it's been a more simplified game by Kuzmenko so far and as you mentioned Jason it's early on in that experiment but this is going to in my opinion make Kuzmenko a better player maybe the numbers might not necessarily be there I know he scored um, against Vegas but Overall, to me, I think this is a, a step in the right direction when you're trying to get a player to play a certain way, putting him with JT and Besser, who need a different kind of look on that line based on DiGiuseppe's kind of fallback, you could say, maybe coming mm -hmm. down to earth moment. Uh, this is probably a good look for Kuzmenko. In terms of the Lafferty guys, yeah, I don't know how long this is going to last, but first shift of the game yesterday, who's aggressive on the forecheck, causes a turnover, and is really setting the tone. I thought... That was a, a smart move by Rick Tockett to put him there because he brings speed, he brings physicality, he's a disruptor. And with Mikheyev, who probably had his best game of the season for sure. As a Canuck, maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like he, he reminded me of Ilya Mikheyev when he was in Toronto where mm -hmm. probably the worst guy to have an anytime goal bet on because he's never going to score, or if he is, <laughs> it's going to be something that like frustrates you. But... That's the Ilya McKay that you want because he's going to pop up in many different situations and he's going to, he's going to, you know, 
be aggressive on the blue line, create, create a breakaway or, or, you know, just be in those greasy areas. So for me, I like that. And it started with Lafferty right off the bat, being aggressive and bringing that speed. So it's, I, I think it'll still be a short-term experiment. You go with it as long as it works, but it's nice to know that these guys can play with other players and change their game if need be a little bit. Did you think Petey had a little more jump? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a few moments in that game, and I, I go back to probably, um, I think him being aggressive on the PK was nice. There was a, a moment that JT Miller had on a two-on-one, but why does that start? Elias Pedersen kind of showing what he did on the power kill last year, but you know, the post on the five-on-three was another opportunity where you're saying, okay, there's the shot. But going back to that McKay of 3-1 goal, Jason, there was a, a zone entry where he picks up the puck in his own zone and goes in with confidence right through the middle of the ice. Yeah. And it kind of kicks off that zone time. And Philip Ronick ends up taking the shot from the point, And McKay ends up getting the goal, him and Petey are both in front of the net. But guys, that's the stuff that we've been missing from Elias Pettersson, where he kind of takes the bull by the horns and is able to show off some of that speed, able to take on defenders. And I'm not sure, you know, the player and the coach are saying there's nothing wrong with him from a, a physical aspect, but, you know, that was a, a game where he had jump. And in Anaheim, we saw him take over a third period. In that game, it was a little bit more subtle, but you could see there was confidence in his game. There was a, a real dynamic aspect to his game. So definitely a step in the right direction in terms of point production for sure. But just the sense you got from him to say, okay, there's confidence in this game and he's attacking. We haven't seen him necessarily do that so much. He's kind of laid off at certain points, but against Calgary, he was able to do that. Um, the PK, is it safe to say or fair to say that the PK is better than it was last season, but still problematic? Uh, that is fair. And, you know, we talked about this at length last year where do they have the right guys on the PK? Um, there were some changes. Carson Susie comes in, Ian Cole comes in, Pew Suter comes in, Teddy Bluger. Now, here's the problem. Two of those guys that I mentioned aren't in the lineup, and they're kind of showing their worth. So the PK is better, but through this you know, season thus far, we haven't really seen all those guys on the ice together. So that's one problem. The other thing is um, some of those habits, and I mentioned the Zadorov play where he kind of is very aggressive going to the left, uh, sorry, the right half wall. Um, on that on that play that they give up to two one gold, you know that one he opens up the middle of the ice and we've seen that more from the Vancouver Canucks in that situation I'm not worried about it because the Dorov is a new player and maybe he doesn't really understand how the Canucks play the PK in that sense you're supposed to give maybe Demko the shot and then you protect the middle of the ice but overall yes you know when you're ranked 23rd in the NHL on the PK. Um, it's not a great thing. It's, a, it's an upgrade from last year. But the area that I have concerns for is just the middle of the ice. It's a lot easier to come by on the PK for the opposition than it was at the start of the season. And a big part of that, hopefully Zadorov helps on this front, is you know, you're not A, clogging up those passing lanes like you were at the beginning of the year. And a big part of that is Carson Soucy, right? Really underrated, active mm-hmm. stick. Uh, he gets in those passing lanes. So, you know, Zadorov should help with that. But, yeah. It is better than last year, but there are still some areas where they, especially in and around the blue paint, that's a little bit easy to come by right now for the opposition. Do you think Patrick Alvin ha- still has some deal-making in him for the rest of the season? I think so. Um, you know, Trader Jim went into, turned into Trader Pat, basically, at this point, <laughs> and he's, he's kind of got that MO. He's got that DNA where 
there's a clearly a vision of what they want this team to do. Now, how big of a deal or how big of deals they make, uh, it's you're kind of limited here in terms of what you can do. You've got, you know, obvious needs in the top six, even though we talked about tinkering with the line. Guys, those are some, you know, big acquisition prices, right? I know some of the guys I was on with Reach last week and you brought up the name Travis Konechny. Well, you're not getting Travis Konechny for, for peanuts. You're going to have to give up something substantial. And I'm not sure that's a deal that you can make this year, especially if you've got an out, you know, a long-term outlook here to say, how do you make this team better over the next couple of years? Can you tinker with this roster a little bit? Can you look at players that might give you versatility to play on, you know, the top six, but also be a little bit, you know, potentially uh, move up and down the lineup? Yeah, and the acquisition cost will will be as such. So, yes, I think there is one more move, but I don't think it's a, a home run hitting move just based on the fact that I'm not sure if the Canucks are in a position to be making deals with draft picks and first round picks and all of that. But I, I think it's safe to say Patrick Alvin's not done until the trade deadline is passed because he is the most active GM in the NHL right now. And, and so far for the most part, guys, most moves that he's made, they work out. And I'm curious about the Zadorov one, because I think there is a long-term fit in Vancouver especially with Ian Cole coming off the books after this, after this year. You've got a left shot D. You've got a big physical guy that's 28 years old, um, potentially replacing a guy that's you know approaching his mid-30s. That one makes sense to me. Now, what do you do um, moving forward to build and add more depth? Because that Vegas game really showed us you know the difference between Tier 1 in the league versus Tier 2 in the Western Conference, where you need to have that next man up policy. You need to have you know, a lot more depth. And the Canucks still need to tinker with that, still need to add quite a fair, fair bit. Uh, I'm going to ask you the poll question that I threw out on uh, Twitter yesterday. It's a tough I one. I heard it was a great poll question. It's, it's an amazing poll question. Uh, yeah. Will Tyler Myers finish the season on the Canucks? Currently, 52.1% of people say yes, which means 47.9% people say no. So basically split down the middle here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, he will finish the season with the Vancouver Canucks. And people will say, yeah, but Ethan Bear, there's a conversation about signing him. Um, I see the arguments for it, but you don't know what you have in Bear yet, right? Like he's coming back from an injury that we don't know, A, if he's going to sign in Vancouver, and B, uh, what that's going to look like. What's the idea of a ramp up here uh, in terms of him getting up to to NHL quality and like big assumption here, if he signs with the Canucks, because there will be other teams that are interested in a right shot defenseman to be kind of like a trade deadline pickup for them or right before that. Um, Also, this team has put themselves in a very good spot to head into the playoffs. What do you need in the playoffs guys? Because that four check, the war of attrition shot blocks, all of that. You need the number of defense heading into the playoffs. Like you need seven guys, potentially more than that, depending on how far you go into it. And that's why I'm a little, you know, on Tyler Myers front, I can understand the logic of why you try to trade a defenseman to move out uh, and bring something else, whether it's a forward, high impact forward, but this is a team that is in a better situation on defense with Nikita Zadorov, but it's still not ideal. You still need quality bodies. And the way that this team wants to build the defense Big bodies is key. I get the whole idea of asset management flipping, but if you're planning to make the playoffs, you know, there's a reason Rick Tockett's been mentioning Vegas and the team build there because he likes having big defensemen. Tyler Myers, still a part of that equation. And for the folks that are not huge fans of Tyler Myers, actually played pretty decently this year. 
The Canucks were plus seven in high danger chances when he's on the ice. It's not only him. I know there's other players on the ice too, but is he a guy that can help you in the playoffs playing a certain style of game? March, April, um, those months, I think he is. And that's why I don't really see him being traded this season based on the fact that you're, you want to play a certain style. You want to play, you know, plug up those lanes. You want to, you want to be a physical and tough team to play against. When he's on his game, he can play that game. Um, I got another tough question for you. Sorry, Randy, but it's a hard way to no, no, hey, start. That's what I'm here for, man. Um, which is going to be the tougher negotiation, getting Elias Pettersson re-signed or getting Philip Hronik re-signed? Ooh, um, yeah, that's, that is a tough question. I, I would still say it's PD, just based on the fact that you're talking about it's the, the more important negotiation. He's your, one of your top two players alongside Quinn Hughes, the foundational piece. So, you know, that one is tough in the sense that term is the, really the, the tricky thing, right? Like that, that's the, the kind of the elephant in the room. Like how, how long do you want to be here? Essentially how much mm-hmm. do you want to make? Uh, Philip Kronick is, is, is a difficult one because you're essentially saying, Hey, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but like, you know, where do you rank in importance? And as we've seen this year, you know, he's a good player, but it takes, can you get him on like a Devon Taves kind of contract to say, Hey, maybe you're taking a little bit less than market value, but you're going to be a part of something special. So in terms of the tougher ones, I know I I was leaning PD when I started this answer, but I think Heronik is going to be the one that you're saying, okay, you're a piece of the puzzle. We can go big with you. We can give you a decent number, but like you're still a part of something. And convincing players in today's day and age that uh, you know maybe potentially to take a haircut uh, to stay in a, a good situation that's a tougher negotiation, especially when your agent is Alan Walsh, mm-hmm. who who loves social media. So if I'm going with one, uh, I'm going to go Philip Hronik there, just because that's probably a tougher conversation to have. Do you think uh, Do you think Hironik and Hughes will just stay partners for the rest of the season um, and forever I and ever think, and ever? Uh, yeah, it's a happily made uh, marriage after all. No, I, this year, yes. This year, I think that would be, in my opinion, the way to go. Just because you're so much better than everybody else when they're on the ice, and Quinn Hughes, his decision making, his skating, his playmaking, you name it, his shot now is in that conversation. Set a new career high, um, but next to him that understands and is also aggressive like this is a, a pairing that is not afraid to attack and it's not only Quinn Hughes it's Heronic what I love about his game five on five and on the power play especially which we've seen when he's with power play one is he's leaning into the shots he's got a 90 to 100 mile per hour shot and if you're the opposition you have to be careful of both of these guys whether it's in the offensive zone whether it's that you know that first pass um the ability to skate the puck out of their own zone. So I like the fact that, you know, they're tilting the rink. And guys, in the preseason, I was pushing for them to be, be split up because I didn't think it would be this good. Now I've changed my tune based on the fact that when they're on the ice and the stats back it up, there's nothing like it in the NHL in terms of point production. So I would stick with this. I, I think, you know, moving into the playoffs, you might have to tinker with it. Uh, you might have to take the foot off the gas at certain points. But as of right now, yeah, go for it. And I'd like to see that for the rest of the season. We're speaking to Canucks analyst Randy Janda here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Randy, there's a number that came out in the aftermath of the Flames game, which actually caught me by surprise because I didn't realize this. Canucks are now a perfect 13-0-0 
when leading after two periods this season. I I knew that they had been good closing out games. I didn't realize that they were mm-hmm. perfect 13-0-0. Um, and then, you know, I go back to, I had some earlier really great analysis that playoff teams, the thing that they do is they don't lose a lot of games in a row during the regular season. And then when they do start to lose a couple games in a row, they need to win. My other great theory right, is that's that... Good. That's it. That is important. Right? That's really yeah. good. In, I, the playoff I, teams avoid losing. I'm coming for your job, Brandeep. The other, <laughs> the, other, <laughs> the other bit of analysis that I had is that when you're leading after 40 minutes, it's a good thing to close that out mm-hmm. and finish mm-hmm. winning after you're leading after 60 minutes. But is there anything in particular that you've seen this year, maybe different from years last? One, that they're actually playing with leads going into the third period. But two, things that they're doing to close out these games to be a perfect 13-0-0 uh, leading after 40 minutes this year? Well, one of the things, and I know the the end of the Calgary game is probably not going with the storyline because it was a little scrambly at the end of the game. It yeah. was a little wild. But if you look at the majority of those 13 games that you mentioned there, um, it's been pretty a lot of games, especially the way that they've been able to grind out some of these games. And, you know, having the right players, having um, the right mindset where you're not, you know, it's not a bend but uh, and not break kind of system, which we've seen in Vancouver, and there was a lot of breaking going on in the last two years. Mm-hmm. This time around, it's, you know, that skating forward, being aggressive in the neutral zone, and, you know, being on top for guys, essentially, being on, you know, skating forward, as Rick Tockett calls it. So I think there's a change in mentality of saying, hey, rather than survive, we're going we're gonna to be a little bit more aggressive. So they're playing with confidence. And in the past, what we've seen with this team is, uh, there was no belief, right? There was essentially a belief in your goaltender, but there's only so much you can do. Now that they're able to lean into the system, they know where to be in these moments, uh, that gives you confidence. Where in, in previous years, I think it was just a hope and a prayer and, and let's see what we can, we can do. And, and there was a lot of individual efforts rather than a collective to say, hey, um, all right, if the F1's going in, like, you know, we're going to be in the offensive zone. We're going to the F2 is going to support, and that's how we're going to be aggressive to end off this game. Right. The other thing is, you know, I, I think with this team, one of the things that we're starting to see is we're starting to see uh, also a belief on home ice. The last two years, it felt like any time the Canucks came home, uh, they're a little scared to play. And whether that was because of what was going on with the organization, whether that was going on in the ice, uh, they're actually leaning into the home ice effect, which, you know, you talk about playoff teams. What else do they do? They generally and hopefully win on home ice, and they make that a fortress. The Canucks and their point percentage at home, having, you know, at 11 games, eight wins, and one, you know, overtime loss, that's telling you that Rogers Arena, after a couple of years, is now becoming that place again where these guys are comfortable playing. That comes from having confidence in your own system, having confidence in guys next to you. And to me, those are a couple of things where I'm just saying, okay, these guys get it. Last year, you know, Rick Tockett mentioned that they were in a team that communicated very often. They weren't talking on the ice. Um, and that usually signifies that if you're not talking, if you're not communicating, um, you're maybe playing an individual game or you're not that confident in what you're doing. Guys, this year, they're talking a lot more. You can hear them up from the press box. You can hear them sometimes on the mics um, at home as well. So to me, this is a situation where this is a team that is actually confident. They know where to do, what to do. They know what to why they're actually composed in the third period, and that record reflects it. Yeah, because we're talking about like closing a game down in the third period, and another number or two numbers that really jumped out to me from that game were that in a one-goal game where you're trying to uh, cover a lead in the third period on the road against a divisional opponent, 
Hughes and Hronik both finished with like normal ice times. I think Hughes was at twenty two forty, and Hronik was at twenty one thirty two. That to me is a great sign that you don't have to extend those guys to twenty eight, twenty nine minutes a night in a really tight game. There's, a, I mean, obviously this is a door off addition helps, but I think that's probably more along the lines of the ice time deployment that Tockett wants, as opposed to having his top two guys playing close to thirty minutes a night. Totally, and it keeps them fresh for the grind of the season, right? November is when it really picks up. You're kind of running on adrenaline to start off the season in November, December, January. Guys, up until the All-Star break, it's a grind. You've got games every other night. Um, luckily for the Canucks, they've got a, a you know a healthy dose of home ice games here. But if you're able to keep these guys in around 22 minutes, 23 minutes, and Philip Ronick's perspective uh, in his uh, you know situation, uh, there was even less last game, and... To your point, though, that's why you pick up a Nikita Zadorov. And, you know, with Mark Friedman, I think he did a, a great job for, you know, what he is. He's a guy that played 26 games in the NHL as a career high prior to this year. And even this year, he hasn't surpassed that yet. But my point being, he was approaching it. Um, but he's, you know, looking at, what, nine minutes a game, ten minutes a game. Nikita Zadorov is an NHL defenseman that should be able to give you 17, 18, 19 minutes. And the impact that he's going to have on the PK lessens the burden on other guys. And I'm not even talking about, you know, Hughes and Hronick specifically, but you look at Ian Cole's time on ice, 17:43. There's been certain games this year where they're trying to close out a, a, a victory. He's up in the 22-23 range. So it just makes these guys a little bit more balanced. And that's going to be vital, especially as we get into the new year, where you want these guys fresh. You want that level to be high. And, you know, it's nice to see Quinn Hughes and me, oh, wow, he's playing 24, 25 minutes a game time on ice. He's up there with Drew Doughty and a bunch of other players. But, you know, those are hard miles. So if you can bring that number down, if you can if you move it down a little bit and he's fresher coming into February, March, April, that's the end game here. And that's going to be a huge advantage for this team. Great stuff today, Randeep. We asked you some tough questions. You had some great analysis. You might also have the best voice on the, on the station. I always find that when I'm talking with you, I like I try to have my voice go a little deeper so it can be like Randeep's. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be the Punjabi Barry White guy. Career goal. Hey, thanks for doing this, bud. Enjoy the games this week. We'll do this again soon. Take care, Randeep. Take care, boys. All See right. you later. Randeep Janda. Uh, Canucks analyst right here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You're listening to the best of Halford & Bruff.